We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD on Twitter. You can follow me there. And uh, this is the this is the the, the morning show, the 11 a.m. Eastern show, where it, it it simulates what I do in uh in in my normal day. I wake up, I wake up a little bit later than most. Right, I get up around 11, 11 in the morning. I look through results DB. I study the slate yesterday, see what top players did strategy wise, compare with what 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 I considered. Uh, look through some lineups. Look at the look at the current slate for today. We got a three game slate today. Uh, yes, I mean yesterday at, at eleven in the morning, we thought we were going to play what? We're going to play tons of Trailblazers and Grizzlies, and then that game got canceled. Right, so like. Even now, even with three games on the slate, we could look a little bit about what's going on on today's slate, but we're primarily talking about uh, DFS strategy here on this show. So if you have a question, a comment, anything, you know, I like my YouTube people, the people in the YouTube chat, Dustin Ho, Card Fan, Meat Plow, Mr. Mr. Plow's back, or Meat, should I call him Meat or Mr. Plow? I don't know. Andrew Palmer, Duck Fan, 1981, Shane Newman, Uzi Azizov, Matt Mears, I see you all in chat. So post your questions there. I will scroll back from time to time, pick out some questions to talk about. But as always, I got I got the regular apple juice back today. So, so no apple mango or the mango apple. It's really mango juice. But this is the regular stuff. This is the good stuff. The Minute Maid, the brand name, apple juice. Does it really matter? Probably doesn't. So in order to keep this cold throughout the show, hit that thumbs up button. Give me that thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live on this channel. But yesterday, yesterday was, uh, it was something all right. I mean, 
We went in, we went into the day thinking, oh, oh okay, I'm gonna play Xavier Tillman because Jonas Valachunas is out. Uh Clark, you know, uh, John Morant was underpriced. And then Lillard, because CJ McCollum's out, and you're like, oh, okay, half my lineup's gonna be in this late Portland, Portland Memphis game. And then Memphis has to go through some contact tracing and they wipe that off the slate. So instead of a 10-game slate, it's a nine-game slate. So now there's a rush to who the hell is going to be value today. Uh, and then, then we see that Tyler Hero was out. So it's like, okay, we get some Kendrick Nunn. Okay, 4,000 Kendrick Nunn. And then we look and we, we see uh, uh, Reddish was out and, and Hunter was out, which on FanDuel turned Kevin Herter into, into a, a value play. And then maybe not on DraftKings. DraftKings, Kevin Herter was 9,500. So you probably still weren't, weren't playing him. Uh, but then like, it, like who was going to get those minutes? Was it going to be Solomon Hill? Was it going to be Brandon Goodwin? Well, it turned out it was Solomon Hill. They didn't really do much with it, but he got like 30 something minutes and Brandon Goodwin only played 11. But Brandon Goodwin was like three times as much owned. So the minutes didn't go in that direction. So the Goodwin value kind of dudded there. Uh, but it was it was a race for value. Like the the, the Miami guys, Drogic, none. Then we had the, the, the Minnesota guys, they dudded. Anthony Edwards, right. He, he, he went like three for 14 from the floor. He missed like three different layups. And then uh, Jared Vanderbilt didn't have that great of a game either. He, had, he ended up with like, what, 10, 12 points, something like that. So that didn't work out. Uh, and then we had obviously uh, 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 Clint Capella went, uh, went nuts. Uh, and that game went to overtime. And then we had the Brooklyn-Cleveland game go to overtime. And Colin Sexton just scored like, I don't know, he scored like 30 DraftKings points in the span of, of what, double overtime? They played double overtime right there. So so it was very, very variance-driven slate uh, that, uh, you know, when, when games go to overtime, uh, are you supposed to be able to predict that? Games get blown out, are you sp- supposed to be able to predict that? I don't know. But, uh, but yesterday, uh, if you went off the board, you probably did well in large field GPPs. We see our own squirrel control, John Breslin. First place, he's, he's on a heater. In the in the excellent eights, seventy two thousand entries, first place with. We were talking about this in the RG Discord with a fairly unconventional type of lineup. Like I'm going to take a look at his exposures because I I I I don't even know that he played three Cleveland guys, and the the Brooklyn guy was Jeff Green on the run back, and not none of the the Brooklyn studs, but the Brooklyn studs with with Kyrie Irving back. Like they're all, they're, I think they're all overpriced. I mean, obviously Durant got there, but I mean, it, when you have a double overtime game, it's, it's. I mean, you're going to get there. But with Kyrie at 9,000 and Durant at 10.7 and Harden at 10.5, those prices together, I, th- I don't think they get enough usage individually to warrant those price tags. I think they're going to end up coming down. I think we're going to end up seeing like Kyrie at like 7,800, Durant at 95, Harden at 92, you know, like somewhere in that range. And then, then it would make more sense. So I can understand saying, well, the Cleveland guys, maybe, you know, maybe that game goes over. But, you know, the Brooklyn guys, it, 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 all the value gets spread out, right? All the, all, the, all the studs end up with, you know, 48 to 52 points. They're unnecessary in a lineup, but uh, the Cleveland guys get there. Could be Osmond, Nance, Sexton, you play all three together. It's not a lineup I would have made. I can tell you that it's not a lineup I would have made, but uh, but it got there. I mean, we could look, take a look at Nonsane. So you got Torian Prince in there from Cleveland. 
but then none, none of that game. Like you didn't need it, right? You, had, you needed Kendrick Nunn pretty much at 38% ownership. You needed Clint Capella at 25% ownership with 76 points. Doug McDermott, I mean, you didn't need him, but it would have been nice. Uh, Aiton, 6%, 62 points. You didn't need him. I mean, Scarborough Patrol didn't have Aiton. Still got there. Let's look at Phoenix over here. So you needed Aiton, Capella. If you had Porzingis, that was fine. If you had Leonard, that was fine. You needed none. So a lot of different types of lineups. As long as you had the key pieces, you could have gotten there. Tinky Tyler, right? Sexton at 2%. Solomon Hill, he just all he needed was 17 points in this type of lineup. Still got there. And Corfield, NC, NC Overfield. They got Van Vliet, Jeremy Grant, Capella, Solomon, Solomon Hill, DeAndre Ayton, none. Let's go to Phoenix over here. Jordan McLaughlin, 1%, just out of nothing, right? James Harden, all you needed was the raw points. But look at these ownership percentages. I mean, when you have like Goodwin busting, when you have uh, uh, Anthony Edwards busting, I mean, if we take a look at ownership here and the excellent eights, I mean, take a, take a look at the highest owned players. Like Vooch got there, but was unnecessary. None you needed. At that ownership, you're going to need him. Drogic, you didn't need. I mean, he, he, he got points, but he didn't. Cameron Johnson, you didn't need him, right? 22 points, 30% owned. Jeremy Grant, you really didn't need. Capella, you needed. Luca, you didn't need. But I mean, he got raw points. But like Edwards at 18%, 7.5, dud, right? Brandon Goodwood, 14%, zero points. Vanderbilt, 15%, 13 points. Draymond was 17%, 20 points. So like, as long as you didn't have these duds in your lineup and you could just, you got none and then you made up points with Capella, none, something like that. I mean, there were multiple possibilities. Trey Young put up 66 at 9%. We take a look here. Steph Curry put up 51 at 10%. Aiton at low ownership. Scroll down here. Kawhi Leonard at 4%. Paul George at 3% for raw points. I mean, you look down here. I mean, obviously Colin Sexton, but he went nuts. Kyrie Irving. I mean, like all of them in that game. And when he goes double overtime, that's what's going to happen. I mean, De'Aaron Fox at 1%. I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking through all of this. Jared, ja I mean, look at Jared Allen. He went, he went nuts. On, on his new team, because it seems like they're splitting time more with Drummond now. So Drummond's price is going to have to go down. If he's only, if, if Drummond's only going to play like 28 minutes, like he can't be, he can't be 9K anymore. But there were multiple paths to get there. But I want to take a look at Squirrel Patrols. Like, see? See, this, this is, this is, this is what I mean about strategies. Okay. We're going to take a look. This is Squirrel Patrols 150 build. I'm not comparing it to anyone else. I'm just comparing it to this. Okay, his winning lineup had that those Cleveland guys, Sexton, Nance, and Osman. We go look here. We're going to look for Sexton, Nance, and Osman. Okay? Sexton. Barely any, like in 2% of lineups, 2.6%. So that's four lineups, right? Sexton, Nance. Same thing. Sexton, Nance, and Osman. One, not even, 0. 0.67. 
which means 1%, which means it was in that one line. That, that was the only lineup that Osmond appeared in. I'm going to assume based on this, Osmond in one lineup, Nance in another, in another four lineups or so, and Sexton in another four lineups or so, that his overall 150 build strategy was to jam in these guys one, two, three, four, five, six, in some capacity, in general, and then kind of like game stack. I would have to. I mean, that's the only way that you would you would get a lineup where you get three Cleveland guys and one Brooklyn guy. Like, let's take a look at Jeff Green. Jeff Green, yeah, barely, like three lineups. Two lineups? Yeah, two lineups. Just in that, and so the fact that there's so little Cleveland those three Cleveland guys and Jeff Green, I have to assume that it was built, these were built based on, on game stack type of, a game stack type of philosophy in that lineup. I have to assume it makes sense. It's not something you have to do, but I mean, that this is this is what Wade tried to build his 150 build. Like Goran Dragic was in 96% of his lineups. And he was still in the way, he was still in the winning lineup, right? Dragic, Capella, Vus, none. So take a look at this. Dragic, Capella, Vooch, none. Right, his core. Luca, his Luca lineups didn't get there. Ubre would have been fine, but I mean, like, that's what there you go. It's not a matter. He, he didn't choose that game. I think he was just like he said, Shake Milton here. So I'm assuming they were like three lineups that stacked, you know, some type of Philadelphia Boston. Right. Are we gonna get Embiid here? Embiid in this pool? Yeah, 4% of lineups. Embiid, how about uh, a Smart? Yeah, 1%. Smart on Boston. Who else is on Boston? Tice, did he have any Tice? No. Did he have any Kemba? No. Kemba was on a minutes restriction. I mean, he did well in his first rotation. But that's what it looks like. But this is what you have to do. This is why I go to Results DB. We started talking in the RG Discord, which is part of our premium product. I'm always in there. I'm always in there discussing strategy. Sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month and join join the Discord. I'm in there all the time. And that's what we were talking about last night. People were like, oh, how, do you, how do you get to that lineup? How do you get to a lineup with that? The main thing was, how do you get to this lineup that has no Brooklyn studs in it? That I understand. Because you could stack that game and think, and and the three the three Brooklyn studs did not project well yesterday because, because for their usage together, all three of them, they're overpriced. Like when it's just two of them, yeah, play them all you want at those prices. But three of them, no. That doesn't mean the game can't go nuts. So he took Jeff Green and the three Cleveland guys, and he probably built a group around him. You could I'm to tweet at him at Squirrel Patrol. Or whatever, DK, whatever, I, whatever is that? J underscore Brezel or whatever on Twitter. Ask him. But that's what it seems like to me. I could just tell from his exposures of what types of lineups he was building. Right? It's it's not like it's not like he had Sexton in twenty percent and then Nance in four percent. Like it's such little exposure that these lineups were built purposely. Of like I'm gonna just play my play like a kind of core group of players. And then build game stacks around it. So you'd, you'd probably have Oladipo, Tate, 
with Houston uh, Phoenix game. So like he had Paul, Paul 6%. You have any Booker? No Booker. He was overpriced. Have any Aiton? 2% Aiton. So that's what, that's what it seems like. Like Deontay Murray in that game just seems like built the core and then kind of tried to fit in two plus ones, three plus ones, like little game stacks in that. And maybe on, on today's slate, he doesn't do that. Maybe on Friday's slate, he doesn't do that. Just on this slate, maybe this is this is what he, he chose to do. A different sharp player may, may choose differently. I'm going to take a look at Tinky Tyler. And it's like, oh yeah, 46% Brandon Goodwin. So a little, a little bit more, a little bit more spread out. Still had plenty of none. Like Neil Corfield. He had still had plenty of Drogic, Hill, right? But I mean, it's a little bit flatter in these in these ranges. So much more diverse lineup set. But when you see these types of things, where it's like, look, like basically McDermott up was like the core. And then just like, how do I, how do I pair guys together? I mean, look, Grant Williams, even 8% Grant Williams put up seven because he was probably playing him in Embiid lineups, right? I could probably go through and, and see that. You download the CSV, you go through results DB, you could look at the individual lineups. So this, this is what I mean by looking through results DB and question like, how did they, how did he get there? Well, just do a little research and you can. Results DB is free. Rotogrinders.com slash results DB. Go look it up. And you can always look at my, my bankroll tracker for cash games. I did, I did well, well enough last night. Mostly carried by FanDuel, right? So I made a little on Yahoo, made a good amount on FanDuel, lost a little on DraftKings, but still overall, you know, extra, extra 600, 600 bucks into the, the cash game. Right, we're up to 7,500. It's been about a month. So 7,500 in a month, that's pretty good, right? So you can follow this tracker.theoryofdfs.com. But yeah, if, 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 this is what you should be doing in results DB. Looking through, seeing how, how, how do they come across these lineups? Does it, does it make it right? No. Maybe it's just something that you, maybe you should think of more. Oh, maybe I should, maybe, maybe that, maybe I should be doing that. If I'm, if you're playing a 20 max, maybe on certain days you go, maybe let, let's see if I could build, if I could grab like three or four guys as my core and then build like, if it's a nine game slate, like just build a little game stack of like every other game in 20 lineups. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's worth doing. Maybe it's not. But at least it gives you an idea of like, okay, that this is an approach that I can take. Can I build good lineups doing this? Because these line, I mean, this lineup that he won with had to project poorly. I can tell you that it had to. I mean, none projected well, Capella projected well, Vooch projected well. Okay, I get it. Drogers projected well. But Osmond on DraftKings, not so much. Nance, no. Sexton, no. Green, eh, it's 4,300, but I mean, I guess. It didn't. It probably didn't project awful, but it didn't project well. But look at how much leverage you get by this lineup. Like all, all the own guys, none, 38%. Capella, 25%. Drogic, 34. Vooch, 41. You need to find leverage now in this size field. So you need to find leverage. You have, you have absurd chalk in your lineup. 
So even though Osmond, Nance, Sexton plus Green doesn't project, this lineup probably projects 15 below or more maybe, 15 below the top median. But look, you're making it up and look, look, look how low owned this is. And it's correlated to some extent, right? A little negative correlation because obviously these guys can't like share the same shots. But if this game goes to double overtime, well, there you go. There's a game stack. But you're doing it. If, if, the, if these ownerships was, was higher, this was 10% each, then it wouldn't even provide you enough leverage. You'd actually, you'd be giving up 15 points and not getting it enough. But at this ownership, if you want to take a shot, this is what I mean by you can't use a specific number. So many people ask me, like, how much, how much projection are you willing to sacrifice for X amount of leverage? Like, well, it depends. Depends on the lineup and it depends on the contest, depends on the context of the slate. He already has, Scorpion Patrol already has the top values in, in his lineup. So like the only way to get different is by, in, a, in this size contest, 72,000 entries, is to dip down. So yeah, where, where's the most amount of leverage I could get while still playing like the stone chalk in some of these positions? Well, there you go. This is one way of doing it. He was willing to sacrifice a lot of projection in order to get it. And it worked out. 99% of the time, it doesn't. Like, understand, 99% of the time, this lineup doesn't work. This lineup comes up at the bottom. But his strategy of like, well, I'm just going to plug in my core and go, these types of three plus ones or whatever, I'm just going to create them for every game. Right? That's That's what he's doing in his 150 lineup set. He doesn't care that some of these lineups end up at the bottom. Just one wants one that ends up at the top. So if you have any questions, I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to speak for 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 Squirrel Patrol, but that's what it that's what it looks like. I've studied enough 150 max builds to know to know what these things look like. So that's why, like, I didn't even research this before. This is literally the first time I'm even looking at it. All I know is that yesterday we were talking in the Discord. I'm like, let me figure this out, and this is what I look at. Hit the thumbs up button. Keep the apple juice cold. Let me check. Pretty good. Uh, Let's see. Let's go through. Let's go through the YouTube chat. As always, if you listen to the podcast later, rate and review it in iTunes. And if, if I'm not answering questions that you want answered, either show up live or you can email me. Email me questions at theoryofdfs.com. So I know some people are like, oh, well, I don't get the, I gotta, I gotta work in the morning. I don't get the, I don't get the, I, I can't go on YouTube. I'm, I, my boss is looking over my shoulder, right? So I can never be there live, but I still have a question, but you can send them in. I'll, some, I answer them in email even, right? It doesn't even have to be on the show. Oh, uh, let's see. Going through Jacob Calloway. How do you increase the relative value of your lineups without using a blunt tool like a group to include one to two of your favorite relative value plays? So basically leverage plays. How do you increase the the relative value of your lineups without using a blunt tool to include one to two? You use it through exposures. You You could do that in a large build using exposures, meaning that you're getting more exposure. So instead of grouping it, 
You just say, oh, well, I want this in 40% of my lineups. I want this guy in 40% of my lineups, 30% or whatever. Uh, in technicality, you'd rather have correlation boosts. Like that That would help. We don't have that in lineup HQ, but, but that would help to some extent. But it depends. Like your, your hand, use lineup HQ like your hand building. So if I knew like yesterday, small forward was awful. Right, small forward was off, small forward, power forward. Like it's quite bad yesterday. That's why you had the Solomon Hills in lineups. That's why you had Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Edwards and and guys like that. Right. If we take a look at the small forward position here, let's take a look. Let's uh, get rid of that. Let's take a look at small forward. Right and power forward, whatever. I mean, take a look. Look at Cameron Johnson was the chalk. That's how bad it was. Jeremy Grant, if you paid up. Played Jeremy Grant. Maybe he played Oubre in the mid-range. A little cheaper was McDermott. But look, look at look at how bad the forward position was. Even if he paid up, you got Sabonis, Porzingis, Jalen Brown, I guess. But it's but it's like like if you're gonna get different here, it's like if you're going to pay up elsewhere, you're going to have to play some type of shock value guy. You get Anthony Edwards, you're going to have to play one of these guys. And if you pay up, you're probably, you're probably playing Jeremy Grant. He projected the best out in the small forward spot. So then what the hell do you do? I played some lineups with Aaron Gordon in it instead of Vooch. Right? I played some Eric Gordon. Okay, what's wrong with that? But then I sometimes I got to plug in Solomon Hill and hope for the best. It was awful. But if you want to leverage lineup constructions and say, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to play a bunch of Blake Griffin, right? Blake Griffin would be like leverage off of Jeremy Grant in a mid-price range. So you're still not going all the way down. So let's say Blake Griffin, I'm not saying he did well or anything. And he's going to end up being like 4% owned. And you want to build lineups with him, then build lineups with him. And try to build And then you could play, you could play none in that lineup. You could play, you could play Vooch in that lineup. You can play because Blake Griffin ended up being about three to four percent owned. And then in lineup HQ, if you want more of those lineups, increase Blake Griffin's exposure. So you get more of them. And let's say, in addition to you want you still want more leverage in that power forward spot. That and so you don't have to play 80% Blake Griffin. Find someone that's close to him. Play Marvin Bagley or Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah, there's a good, there's a good one. He did horribly. Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, I think, were the same price last night. I think sixty one hundred on DraftKings. So maybe, maybe if you're playing fifty lineups, you don't want Blake Griffin in forty of them. You don't mind him in twenty of them, in those types of lineups where you're getting leverage at small forward. So you decide to say, well, I'm going to also play Lamarcus Aldridge. So now. Instead of having 80% exposure to Blake, you have 40% because the other 40 is going to go to LaMarcus Aldridge. So you set the mint to 40, the mint to 40, and it'll start building those lineups with those small forwards, those power forwards in those lineups. Still probably has to fill a small forward spot. You probably still get plenty of Cam Johnson or Anthony Edwards. But that's how you would do it in, in, a, in an optimizer. It turns out the Memphis Grizzlies' next three games are postponed. Are they supposed to play tonight? The Grizzlies? No, no, okay. They're, probably pl- they're supposed to play tomorrow. But uh, according to Shams right now, the Grizzlies' next three games against Portland and Sacramento has been 
postponed. So look out for that tomorrow, I guess. Let's look through the YouTube chat. Uh, Kai Roach asks, do you think Squirrel Patrol was using a stacking rule then if he got all his lone calves in one lineup? Yeah, that, that's what that's why I think that. Because they didn't, because none of them projected well. So the the only conceivable way that he could have that low exposure and still get them all in the same lineup is that he, he set up some stacking rule, some group or something, in order for that to happen. That's what that's what it looks like. Uh, Rob B asks, is RG going to put in a stack option for NBA lineups? Condition players can't be multiple, right? But I want to set a rule like if using Harden or Durant, run back with Seton, Sexton. Yeah, you could do that. You could do that with groups. You just have to create individual. You have to play a group, a group for each conditional player. You wouldn't be able to do it at once. If using Harden, run back with Seton. I mean, you, you, you could do that in groups. Just need a hardened group. You need a hardened conditional group and a Durant conditional group. You could you could still do that. Okay, going through YouTube chat. Ronald Coley, I'm scrolling. Where did that go? Where did that go? That was a good question. Okay, Ronald Coley asks or says, "I struggle with putting a guy in my pool that doesn't project well. It seems like you need a guy or two like that in order to win a very large field tournament, right?" You're willing to sacrifice more projection median-wise. Because remember, that we're talking about medians. All these players have ranges of outcomes. So like the median here, like today's slate, look look at these ranges, right? We could take a look at today's slate based on our 10.03 projections. And let's go to someone that doesn't project well, right? Dennis Schroeder, okay? The grand scheme of things on this slate doesn't project well. 6,300, his median is 28. But his range is 13 to 40. So 10% of the time, he'll put up a decent, 25, what, 15% of the time, he'll put up a 40. If he's going to be 2% owned, then why you can play him in a lineup. You're sacrificing a lot of projection in your lineup. But that may be worth doing in a large field GPP based on the overall projection of the total, of the total lineup. Like we could look right here. I can optimize... So the top total right now, top median is 261. If I pl- put in Dennis Schroeder, lock him in, 258. So the best lineup without Schroeder, with Schroeder, only gives up about three points in median. That ain't that ain't bad, right? You could st- you can still do it. So you're, oh, I'm playing a ball guy that doesn't project as well. Well, in the large field contest, you, you, you have to. You have to sacrifice projection for leverage. You're playing a 200-person contest, single-entry type of thing? You don't have to. Or you could do it in one spot and then just jam the chalk seven times in the other spots. You can do it in smaller contests. You can. But in large contests, you have to take risks. That's how you beat 80,000 entries. You have to. Right, the DFS tutor even says, Squirrel had to been sacrificing quite a bit off of the projected highest lineup. Definitely not a small field single entry play. That's right. Absolutely. That lineup would 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 have been ridiculously over leveraged and under projected for a, you know, a Thunderdome or something. He's not making that lineup for the Thunderdome. He's making it for, for the $8 excellent eights with 80,000 entries. 
That's what I always mean by you have to make the lineup for the contest. If you're making two safe lineups for the 80,000 entry contest, you're, you're throwing your money away. Oh, you get a lot of bin caches. Yeah, but you're bleeding your money away over time. And if you're building those type of lineups for 100-man contests, you're, you're not winning them often enough, right? You're gonna, like, you're going to win by 60 points when you do win, and you're going to lose by 60 points like 95% of the other time. You don't have to get to that extent in smaller contests. Going through the YouTube chat. I also want to show off a, a new feature on lineup HQ. Once I once I get through some of some of these questions. How do you build game stacks on lineup HQ? I'll show you. This is a teach, this is a teaching session. We could we could we could we could teach a little. How do you build game stacks? Well, I mean, you could build groups that are based around games. So let's say, for instance, okay, we're gonna go here. We're gonna go to one game. Let's go to the Pels Utah game. Okay. Let's say I want to, I want to make sure to play, you know, I want to play a two, a two plus one type of type of thing. Okay. So let's say uh, in any lineup, I, I, the, the jazz guys are, are projected better. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the jazz guys, Gobert, Mitchell Conley. Okay. So now I could use a, use a player group and I could go Gobert, Mitchell, Conley. Okay. And then let's say I want to don't play more than two of them in the same line. Okay. Maybe I don't even want to play Mitchell and Conley in the same lineup. So that's maybe that's the better way to do it. So I'm going to create that just to create a little negative correlation group. Okay. But now I use a conditional player. So let's say in my Mitchell lineups, I want to make sure to have at least like Zion, Ingram, Adams, Ball, Bledsoe, right? Put in anyone you want. You could add even more heart if you want, right? Do something and say like in all my Mitchell lineups, I want at least two of three of them in my Mitchell lineups. We could even get rid of this just to, just to make it less complicated. So in my, if Mitchell's in a lineup, give me at least two Pelicans. And then let's say I do that with Conley also. Conley. I just add add all the guys back, right? Just add them all back. Uh, Zion and Ingram. Where's Ingram? Ingram and Hart and Bledsoe and Adams and Ball and whoever, right? And you do the same thing, right? Maybe you make another group, okay? Let's make another group with Gobert, right? Gobert's in a lineup, then we put in Zion and Ingram and whoever, right? We're doing that. A little duplicative work. It would be nice if I could just like duplicate the same group over and over again, but we don't got that. So you just do it manually. So we got Bledsoe, Ball, Adams. We do that two to three, right? So at any time a jazz, one of these jazz guys, these three jazz guys shows up into a lineup, it's going to jam in two of these Pelicans. So let's do that. So now I'm going to make sure I get all those lineups. So like, let's just set 30, 30, 30. Right? And I'm going to build 20 lineups. Right? So where where, where, we, where do we go? Well, we need more than that. 30, 30, 30. Yeah, here's a Gobert lineup. Gobert with Zion and Ball. There you go. 
Gobert with Zion and Bledsoe. Gobert with Adams and Bledsoe. Gobert with Bo- with Gobert, Bojan, Mitchell, Ball, Williamson. There, there are all five of them in there. Gobert with Harden, Ball, and Mitchell. And he even got a Gasol, James, Holiday. It's only three games late. Obviously, they're going to look a little bit more like stacks in the three games late. There's only so many options. But that's what you'd be doing. So you could create game stats this way. In any combination you want. Maybe you don't want Adams and Gobert in the same lineup because they're centers against each other. So you create a group that doesn't create those. Boom, you're done. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe you don't want Ball and Bledsoe together. Even though, you know, they're part of that other group, you just go, Ball, Bledsoe, done. So they're not together either, right? Just like we did before with the Conley and Mitchell. Don't want Conley and Mitchell together. So now I have those groups. I'm going to build 20 lineups like that. I'm not going to see those combinations, right? So I'm going to go to Gobert again. Gobert, Zion, Ball. Gobert, Bledsoe, Zion with favors. Gobert, Zion, Bledsoe. Gobert, Conley, Zion, Ball, right? Because Conley and Mitchell have to be separate. Conley favors Gobert. You probably don't play favors and Gobert together. So that would be another group that you'd use. So there you go. So you, you can build game stacks like this and then set all, whatever the conditional players are. That's the thing that you could control with the, the exposures, with your min exposure. So if the, if the conditional players don't project well and you don't give them a, a minimum exposure, it's not going to happen as often. If I just locked in Gobert or something like that, locked in Mitchell, like all my lineups would look like that. So that that's how you would do that in lineup HQ to, to quote game stack. Going through the YouTube chat a little scrolling through. I'm just scrolling. Let's see. Uh, Drew DP asks besides opposing centers and players that come out for one another, what are other examples of negative correlation that you want to avoid when building lineups? As I always say, in, in NBA, negative correlation is weak. Typically, it's two guys on the court that are either efficient or, or overpriced that I typically don't want to play together. Two guys that drove. Like that, that's why I said like Mitchell and Conley. Obviously, it's a three-game slate, so negative correlation doesn't matter as much because there's only so many options. But like yesterday with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Like I at those prices, I would not play both of them in the same lineup. On a normal size slate, on a nine-game slate like yesterday, you wouldn't play at those prices. And you need on a nine-game slate probably those guys to hit like 65 points. It's gonna be hard for like Harden to get 65 and Durant to get 65. Well, I mean it's hard. It's easy if you have double overtime, but in a normally not in a double overtime, like that won't happen. The same thing with like LeBron and AD. Like those types of scenarios where they're efficiently priced. If one of them is significantly underpriced, that's a different story. With two guys that are efficiently priced on a large enough slate, like on this three-game slate, if you want to play Mitchell and Conley together, that's fine because it's only a three-game slate. The weak negative correlation between the two at their prices, at efficient prices for their ceilings, you still need raw points on a three-game slate. So, I mean, there's only so many options. On a nine-game slate, I wouldn't play them together. 
I typically don't play like Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson together at these prices. You tell me Ingram's 6,400 and Zion is 6,000, I'll play them together all day for their projected ceilings. But at these prices, they're efficient. They're whatever, right? I mean, smash percentage for Ingram at 8,500, he's overpriced. So it doesn't mean you don't play Ingram. You can play him. Just don't play him and Williamson probably together in the same lineup. On a normal size slate, on a short slate, you still need raw points. So the balance of raw points versus the weak negative correlation is not, maybe it's not even worth. Maybe you do play them together. Maybe it's fine in a certain lineup. So that's it. Those are pretty much the three conditions. Uh Butho Jenkins, if you're predicting a blowout on a three-game slate, why would you fade that game completely and not consider some bench play for value? Uh, I mean, I talked about blowouts the other day with uh, with James. Like, don't predict a blowout. Just it's, the projections are the projections. You never know what game's going to blow out. You never know which side's going to blow out. I mean, we see we see this in NBA. I think predicting blowouts is, is don't I don't I don't even bother. I'm telling you what I do. Maybe you do. Maybe you've had success in predicting. If you can predict blowouts, just bet on the game. Just bet on the game. You make more money than have to try to build a lineup that capitalizes on it. Uh, Jacob Calloway asks, I play a micro stakes 20 max with 5,000 entrants. Results DB doesn't have these types of contests. Would reviewing another 5K entry contest work by learning how much leverage is required, even if it's a single entry? Yeah. Or, I mean, you, you could study the, 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 the normal 20 max. The normal 20 max or, or the uh, the $1 contests. You could also you could also download the CSV and, and you could look at it in Excel. Like results DB is like the easy interface to do it. I Before results DB existed, I did this by downloading CSVs. And then you have to do a little bit of Excel manipulation to start looking at, you know, people's lineups and stuff. So you, you can't, you can do it. Just download the CSV. You need a little bit of Excel skills in order to do it. But you're, you're just looking for angles. Like the difference between a 5,000 entry contest and a 10,000 entry contest are not going to be that dramatic. You can't study those contests. You're just looking at the difference of ownership, if anything. But outside of the construction, just study the good players. That's it. Just look for the good players. Study what they're doing. Not who they pick, but how do they construct lineups. And you'll see. We see this on this show every day. Certain, one great player does this. Another great player does the complete opposite. They're both right. They both have the similar EV. Just one's going for one outcome and one's going for the other outcome. One's building cheap center, expensive guard. One building expensive center, cheap guard. I mean, but the lineups in and of themselves are constructed well for the contest that it's in. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Yeah, I wanted to show you the new the new feature on, uh, on Lineup HQ. Okay. New feature. Okay. It's historic projections. Okay, we used to have it that if you went back in time, a lot of people don't know you could go back in time on lineup HQ. You could travel back and kill baby Hitler. No, you can't do that, but you could, you can go back to previous slates. And uh, like we could go back to yesterday's slate. But typically, 
it wouldn't show like the projections and stuff. It wouldn't show that. Well, now it shows the actual, the projected and the actual in fantasy points. So this is yesterday's slate, right? I even have some locks in here, right? Get rid of my cash lineup in here, right? So this is yesterday's slate. So I could sort by Durant, 77, Cabela, 76, Trey Young, 66. This is our projection, our median projection, obviously, for it. So you could take a look, you could compare, but you could also like, you could build based on this. So like I could press optimize and like, this was the best possible lineup yesterday. 442 on DraftKings. You had Sexton, Nunn, Prince, Durant, Capella, Terrence Davis at 3K, Collins and Ayton. That was the best possible lineup. We could go to results DB. This should show it there. If it has, I don't know if it's been updated. Well, when results DB gets updated, see, here's the best lineup. Yeah, usually it says optimal lineup. So when it gets updated, you'll see that that lineup should be the one that's there. So you could take a look, you could go through it and you could make practice, you could build based on this, right? I could go back to a previous slate, right? Take a look at my settings and go, well, what happens if I would have done X, right? Like maybe you never would have played Terrence Davis. So you're like, no, there's no way that I would have ever played Terrence Davis. I'm gonna get rid of that, right? Maybe you consider doing some type of Cleveland Durant stack. I mean, do these lineups make sense? Maybe you wouldn't have played Collins and Capella together, right? So I'm gonna go into player groups. I'm gonna go Collins and Capella together. Collins and Capella, not together, okay? So I wouldn't have done that. I looked at this or something and then build 21. I mean, you could make experiments and go, okay. I could have had this lineup, Trey Young, Jaden McDaniels. I probably wouldn't have had him, right? You could just go back in time and put, you could even put in your exposures or anything like that and see, like, can I build good lineups based on a, a past slate? So there's a lot, a lot of usefulness to this. I mean, not only in just seeing like, what's, what, what's the best possible lineup you could make? But you could see a lot of times you'll see that a large field GPP winner, it's a little tilting, has a lineup that includes everyone that's in my player group. You take a look at this and you go, I had all these guys in my 100 lineups, but just not all together because I only had X amount of that and X amount of this and I just didn't build as many of these lines. You can go back and see, like, was there anything I could have done to gotten to get to got this lineup or to get the winning lineup, not even the optimum. I mean, look, Look at what we're talking about. The winner, Squirrel Patrol, right? Put up 388.75 and one. The top optimal, 442. Well, well, I mean, that's excluding my player groups and my player pool, putting Terrence Davis again, 442. Like not even close. I mean, we're talking about what? 50, 54 points or so off? It's very hard to make the absolute optimal. Because who played Terrence Davis yesterday? No one, right? And the whole combination like this, very hard. So you don't need to get 442, but at least now you could go back in time. You could go back to any slate. We could go back 
right now into whatever slate. I, I won, I won, I think on the fifth, I won a bunch. Right. I go back to fifth. I think the Tuesday, the fifth is the one that. Which slate is this? Is this a bunch? I don't know. I don't remember. We can go back to this slate. So this is a Jokic slate, Jokic, LeBron, Kyrie. Now you can take a look at this. Right, Russell did well. Yeah, I think this is the slate. I, I won a bunch of money. I won a couple thousand bucks on. We go here. We can take a look what the optimal is. Right, this is was this where where yeah, this is the one where Kawhi was in and George got scratched or something. Right. Yeah. So you go in and you could you could play around with it. Build lineups based on the actual fantasy points. Right. You could even be, like like right here with this selector up here. I don't know if you can see it on the screen. I can't scroll all the way down. Oh, I'm trying to. Okay, trying to get over there. You could build with the fantasy points historically or the projected ones. So I can go to projected and build based on that. It's not going to affect the lineup preview. But I could build, like, let's say I build 20 lineups. This is based on the projection for that day. There you go. This would have been like the optimal for that, for that day. Like the median optimal. But then I could also go to fantasy points and that will give me the actual the best 20 lineups you could possibly make, 413. Just another feature of lineup HQ that you could fool around with. You kind of you go back in time, you can go back in past. You could you could do the lineup HQ review. Right? We got results DB, that's free. And we also got lineup HQ review. Is that what we're gonna call it? HQ review? It's something like that, but you could go on all these, on all the sports, whatever sports are available. You'll see the projection. You'll see the actual. What I want them to add is the ownership also, the actual ownership, because then you don't, you don't get, you don't, you don't get to have that, that separate thing of like, well, it still has ownership here. Hmm. So I think that that is saved. Was Jokic 28%? We could say, let, let's go to, let's go to yesterday. I'm finding this out also. This got released yesterday. Sometimes they don't even tell me. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to let me go to yesterday's slate. Let's see if the, the ownership is, is this the pwn or is this the actual? The projected or the actual? So if we build 20 lineups based on yesterday, Torian Prince, Kevin Durant was 1.9. So is he 1.9? Well, I don't know what, see now when it says ownership, we don't know what contest we're dealing with. So yeah, that's probably projected ownership. So yeah, so this, this, this would be what we projected them to be owned, I believe. Capella 28.3. Yeah, because the ownership would have to depend on the contest. So yeah, so there's, there's no way to hard code in what contest that we're playing. So this, this would be the projected ownership. So at least you could still, you could still get a sense, even though it's not going to be you know, like completely accurate because it's projected. You could then try to build lineups, like the best optimal right now, 442 with the 98% ownership, 98 point ownership sum. 85 ownership sum. But I mean, these are all like lineups that, I mean, you could build 20 lineups that are going to be way above the winning lineup of 388 because it contains like Terrence Davis. Like no one played this guy. Like no one played Tarian Prince, like no one, like the bear, these are barely owned players. So maybe you X them out. 
right? You look at Squirrel Patrol's lineup and you go, like, who does who, who does no one have? You start Xing all those guys out, and then you start like building and say, what could I have done yesterday to get a close enough lineup? I had I had the p. It's one of those things where it's like I had about the right pieces, just not in the right combination. And then you you could go you could practice you could practice lineup builds in lineup HQ. You don't have to practice on today's slate of three games. Maybe maybe you have a Friday off or something. You have some time off, and it may be a two-game slate that night. And you're like, you know what? I really want to learn, you know, a little bit more about lineup HQ and how to make multi-entry builds. But on a two-game slate, I mean, it's that's 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 kind of a skill in and of itself on a two-game slate. So you go back in time. You go, I'm going to go back to a 11-game slate and experiment and say, well, these are the lineups that I want to build. Like hand build a couple of lineups. Like you look through and you go, okay, this is the lineup that I want. And then try to build them using the settings. And say, I want to build these types of lineups and see what see what happens. And you can use the actual points, the, the, the actual points, the projected points, whatever you want, and the, the projected ownership there and build lineups that are leveraged, correlated projected well whatever so i think it's useful lineup hq review uh you could sign up for premium you get that obviously click on the link in the description below rotogrinders.com slash premium uh and they're adding stuff all the time i'm i'm, I'm in the i'm in the rotogrinders slack they, they bounce ideas off of me every so often and uh th- this would be useful historic projections historic everything double check a lot of people ask Oh, what was so-and-so's projection yesterday? Well, now you can check what, what, what the final projection was. So a little, little accountability also, right? The, the premium NBA projections team, they don't mind, right? You do these historic projections and you're able to go back in time and you, instead of saving them, it's like it's saved for you. They're like, well, they're going to get, you know, if you project, you have a good projection for a guy and they don't do well. Like people are going to know about it in the past. They don't mind. Our projections team is one of the best in the business. Andy Means, Tuttle, Noto, SBK, Jamino, Allen, Bob Reeves. Probably there's probably too much. There's probably Jamino. There's everyone in there. I don't know who, who who's left in there. They're one of the best in the business. So I don't they don't they don't mind the accountability. And I don't either. That's what that's why I use. I've been using the premium projections at Rotogrinders before before I even worked here. So so I eat my own dog food. That's that's a saying. I don't actually eat dog food. I drink apple juice. If you're going to eat dog food, at least wash it down with apple juice. Okay, let's get a question or two before we get out of here for today. Uh, Let's see. JJ says, uh, Sub Blender just got in. Thank you for all this transparency, man. Seriously, hit the like button, everyone, for real. Yeah. I try to keep it real here. I'm real and transparent. I show you my actual results. I show you exactly what I do. And if you can't do it, that's your problem. <laughs> really, that's what it comes down to. I still think I can do it better than you. Uh, let's see. Uh, DJA Dog 3K, do you tweak your opt- your optimizers? Do I tweak my optimizers when you're building for cash games? Or you just run the optimal and play the best liner for cash. Uh, yeah. I, I, I try to put as little thought into cash. This is what I'm doing for this season. That's why I'm tracking it. 
Essentially, whatever the projections tell me is the best median lineup, that's what I play. Is it the best cash lineup? No. In the past, I would build better. I would build what I believe is a better floor-ceiling combination lineup. Because you have to remember, the medians are just medians. It does The, the optimizer to, uh, to solve that problem, it doesn't take into account the standard deviation of the players. So you may have a very unbalanced lineup, a high median, but you, have, you may have four guys in there that they could put up three, they could put up 30. Is that is that great for cash games? Probably not. But their medians all look the same to the to the optimizer. So there may be a there may be a lineup. The sixth best, the sixth highest lineup may actually be a better cash lineup. But do do I want to spend the time to determine that? This season of deciding not to. I'm just saying whatever the projections team tells me, and whatever the math comes out to, that's the lineup that I play. And uh, doing well in FanDuel. So that, that, that's what I do. Is it something that I suggest you do? No, not necessarily. But I'm treating it, that's why I'm doing it transparently. I'm treating it like a stock investment. So that's, I'm just putting it in, making the swaps when needed, right? In later games when news comes out. And then seeing my results at the end of the season. So there'll be ups and downs, right? We take a look at the, the chart, just like a stock. There'll be ups, there'll be downs. You have a, a diversified portfolio as possible, multiple sites, head-to-heads, double-ups, triple-ups, everything. Spread it out to reduce that variance and then see what happens at the end of the season. What's the worst thing that happens? I lose 20,000? I'm probably not even going to do that. That's not, can't, probably not even the worst. So it's like, I'm going to play 10% of whatever that number is and just whatever happens, happens. That's what, I, that's what I'm doing. Do I suggest you do that? Not necessarily. Let's see. Logan Brantley asks, hey, Blender, when you go back and rerun lineups, how can you see what they actually scored? It's in there. I just showed you. If you go back in time, like today's the 21st. So you see right here in lineup HQ, we have, his, these are historic points and projections. It's in there for you already. So I could go back to any slate. I could go back to the, the Tuesday, the 19th. We had that what? what that, that was a two game slate. So I'm going to go back to the 19th. And here, here you go. There's this two game slate with the two blowouts. Here's the fantasy point. The actual, Jokic put up 56. Gobert put up 46. Zion put up 43. It's in there. That's how you see it. Roby put up 32. And you could see what they were projected median-wise. Right? So you could go to any any slate. I'm not sure if they have NFL done, but probably. You take a look at that, maybe. You go to any any slate. I, I, I don't know if this is how far back this goes. We'll go back. Okay, it goes back to October right now for NBA. Right, we go back to... Let's see, NFL, let's go to NFL. Just checking, just checking. Does, does this work for NFL also? Go to NFL, we go back to, you know, Sunday, the December 13th or whatever. Obviously there were games on on a Sunday. Go back to some random Sunday in December. Wait for it to load. Yep, here we go. The Derrick Henry week, right? Henry, Taylor, Sanders. So yeah, so even football. So you could do this. Lineup HQ review 
sign up for premium. Get $10 off your first month of just NBA. It could be single sport. It could be the whole combo package, whatever you'd like. Results DB is free though. So you could always, you could always go through rotogrinders.com slash results DB for that. But I did want to spend some time to, to show off. And maybe you could find other uses of this, right? You could find other uses. Can you download these? I don't think you can. Can you? Can I click that? No, I guess not. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm just clicking around myself. Can I use projection? Can I, can I? No, I can't. I can't download it. Okay. That would be nice. Or you just go through and just download all of it. So, uh, so check that out if you're a premium member. If you're not, sign up. I'm always in the Roto Grinders Discord. If you're there, uh, ask me whatever you want or send me questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. As always, I have my 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. That essentially teaches you the entire game theory of DFS. So uh, t- tonight we got uh, we got Dean and Grant or Kirkwood. I think Chris Kirkwood's on, I think, on Grinders Live tonight. Then we got Roth and Meansy Premium Crunch Time. And, uh, and and I'll be back uh, tomorrow for uh, for Friday. Tomorrow we got a real slate. Can they schedule these games out better? We had 10 games yesterday that turned into nine. Then three games tonight. And tomorrow is like 13. But it's probably not going to be 13. It's, thir- it's going to end up being it's going to end up being an eight game slate. They're going to cancel half of them or so. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happens tonight? Right? What's going on tonight? Then they may cancel a game. Three guys may be out. Who knows? Whatever you imagine building lineups before the 5:30 Eastern uh, injury uh, report. There's no point. I say this every day, right? Because that's why people come in. New people come and ask me, "Oh, what are we doing today?" It's like, I, I don't even know if we're going to survive to the end of the day today so uh, we don't have no idea who's going to be in or out or anything so tune into grinders live tune into crunch time for that and uh and until tomorrow i'm jordan cooper a gay blender ed blender hd on twitter and that has been the dfs pregame show here on rotogrinders.com <laughs>